Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the World of Ink Network, founded in 2011 by Virginia Grenier and Marsha Cook. Their vision was to start a radio show that helped writers reach their dreams. The World of Ink has a wonderful group of hosts who are dedicated to delivering shows to entertain and inspire listeners. The World of Ink Network shares resources that introduce tips, products, and services to help strengthen, support, and challenge those who love writing and the written word. Their hope is to bring not only authors, illustrators, and publishers together, but screenwriters, directors, and producers. New to the network will be a variety of special shows, bringing not only entertaining shows, but informative discussions on timely subjects. To learn more about us, go to www.worldofinknetwork.com or visit us on our Facebook and Twitter pages. Thank you for your support and enjoy the show. Welcome, everybody. Hi, it's Marsha. And uh, this is the World of Ink show. Scott, are you in? Hi. We have a new host today, and it's Scott Casely. So, um, Scott, you want to take over now? I'm I'm on. We're both on. Absolutely, sure. And hi, Matthew. Hi. Welcome, everybody. (laughs) Welcome, everybody. This is Renaissance Rambles. My name is Scott R. Casely, and I'm here to talk to you about having dreams, following dreams, and helping others to achieve their dreams. We're going to be talking to a wide variety of people. And the reason why it's called Renaissance Rambles is because one of my best friends from college, Michael, whose birthday is today, actually. So everybody say happy birthday to Michael. Happy birthday. Um, <laughs> he called me the Renaissance Man because I always had a wide variety of interests, and I was always going on all these adventures and I, all these dreams I wanted to follow and pursue. And ever since I was in college, I had always decided to make good on having a dream, pursuing it, and making it happen for other people as well. I've made films. I wrote a book. I've been on a fitness journey for the past 11 years. I've lost over 100 pounds. And I'd like to help other people to feel like if I can do it, they can do it. So tonight, my first guest on Renaissance Rambles is a personal hero of mine, a really great friend, and his name is Matthew Moncrief. And he runs Moncrief's Martial Arts, Yoga, and Fitness in Acton, Massachusetts. So I'd like to say hello, Matt. Matt, are you there? Yeah. Oh, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, good, good. Uh, um, glad to be here, Scott. Good. Thanks for having me on. You're welcome. Thank you for being on. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Ooh, okay. Well, I uh, I run a studio in Acton, as you mentioned. I teach martial arts and yoga and uh, aerial arts and acrobatics, uh, mm-hmm. all of which have been passions of mine since I was very young. And it's been nice, a, very a nice. wonderful, very, very rewarding career. So um, how did you get started in karate? Well, um my martial arts began when I was eight years old, mm-hmm. and uh, I originally wanted to be a gymnast. 
that was my my master okay. plan. But my parents said no to that. So. So uh, oh, really? we had a, a martial arts school. <laughs> Surprisingly, mm-hmm. uh, we had a martial arts studio mm-hmm. close to my home, and uh, I really wanted to train. My best friend in the whole world at the time joined up there, and uh, I would go and watch him train, but I wasn't uh, able to join right away. My parents wouldn't say yes to that one right away either. But uh, at eight mm-hmm. years old, I was able to convince them um, to let me get a paper route. I told the brothers that paper routes. And uh, so I got my first job at eight years old, delivering papers. And with that money, wow, I was impressive. able to start, start martial arts lessons. Nice. It, it had its downsides. I had to deliver the newspapers before class. Otherwise, people got mad at me, which I discovered very quickly. Um, by trying to <laughs> deliver them after class, nobody, uh, nobody yep. likes getting home and their newspaper isn't there when it should be. So, so I had to deliver before. Right. You can't exactly meant, say, I had go to, to karate practice, you'll get your newspaper later. <laughs> No, no, it was oh, so I had to I had to rush like mad, and I'd always get to karate late, which meant I always had to do mm-hmm. extra push-ups. Every time I walked in there, my my <laughs> sensei, oh, Mr. Moncrief, late again, twenty-five knuckle push-ups. Wow. Some, somehow that didn't stop me from going though. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> nice, very nice. Um, so, what style of karate was that? So that was uh, like Shaolin, Chinese Kempo, um, type of Kempo that's most dominant mm-hmm. in New England uh, and a really mm-hmm. good system. Um, I played that with uh, Nick Chamberlain, awesome instructor. He, he now teaches in mm-hmm. Texas, a um, long way from Massachusetts. Oh, wow. Several studios with a huge following, and, and he's, he's awesome. And uh, mm-hmm. he was my, my inspiration for, for wanting to become a karate instructor myself. Nice, very nice. And how long yeah. did you stay at his school? So I was there for uh, for ten years, from eight to eighteen. Uh, had a little mm-hmm. little part in the middle where he moved to the other side of town, and it was too far to ride my bike. Um, but then he moved again. I was <laughs> able to go. So it's about a year and a half. I had to take off in the middle of that, but ten years. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so it was really really good. When hmm? you were on hiatus for a bit, you were on hiatus. Uh, yeah, well, it, just for a little bit. So. So yeah. one, one, it took about a year, year and a half off in the middle, but I never stopped practicing. I practiced one very diligently. And, uh, mm-hmm. but then, then he moved to Texas, which actually kind of changed the whole trajectory of my life in many ways. Um, probably without him. Yeah, that's right for a get a bike down there, right? <laughs> that's uh, pretty far for you to ride your bike to. That was definitely outside of my range. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how did you discover yoga? At, you discovered yoga at the age of 15. How did you discover that? Yeah, yeah. So uh, all interconnected. So, you know, as a teenager, um, I, I assisted, you know, teaching karate classes um, at my studio, mm-hmm. uh, my, my teacher's studio. And uh, I would help teach the kids' classes. And every now and then one of the parents would ask if I babysat too. And uh, mm-hmm. I ended up being doing a little bit of babysitting also. And as it turned out, uh, one of the people I babysat for, I was a yoga instructor. And she oh, wow. was always telling me all kinds of neat things about yoga and encouraging me to try yoga too and lending me yoga books and show me all kinds of cool mm-hmm. yoga stuff. And I, I got hooked on that. I, I loved it from age 15 on. I was totally intrigued. And that stayed a part of my life ever since. Nice. Now, there are so many different styles of yoga. What style of yoga was this one? So, you know, I'm not even sure. So 
um, probably just a mm-hmm. kind of a hatha yoga based on what I can remember, but mm-hmm. it, it could have been could have been something else. Um, but most of what I studied, you know, was was various types of hatha yoga until uh, until my thirties mm-hmm. when I discovered Ashtanga, which would end up now, being my my main passion for yoga. Nice. Uh, one question mm-hmm. uh, for the listeners out there who don't know what uh, hatha yoga is, could you describe it a little bit, please? Sure. Yeah. So yeah, it's I, interesting. Both in martial arts and yoga, you have many, many different styles. Um, and interesting mm-hmm. in the martial arts style that I studied as a kid, I don't, I don't teach that style. I ended up uh, eventually mm-hmm. discovering a different form of kempo, um, mm-hmm. the Ed Parker system, and that's what I, what I teach uh, today. For yoga, mm-hmm. um, there weren't so many styles. Yoga was a much more unified mm-hmm. um, than mm-hmm. martial arts. But when it spread to the West, you, you kind of have the birth of styles. And uh, it's you know a big part of how yoga is marketed here. There's just constantly new styles being formed, um, new systems being developed. Um, each you know has to have their own name and their own branding. And there's the hot mm-hmm. yoga and there's yin yoga yeah. and you know on and on. Baptiste yoga. There's so many different styles, um, you know right. variations of different things. And so that's very much oh, an yeah. American thing, very much a Western thing. And uh, huh. in most cases, you know, if you just kind of think of yoga as a pie. Um, those individual styles typically pick like one slice of that pie to focus on and kind of built a system around a specific area of yoga. Okay. So Hatha yoga and also Ashtanga, which I teach are typically more of a complete system. Um, mm-hmm. Most people that study Hatha yoga come from uh, a line from a teacher named Iyengar and Iyengar mm-hmm. and Patabi Joyce um, were students together under a person named Krishnamacharya going to sound like a lot, but I promise I won't go too deep into this. So okay. Krishnamacharya <laughs> had several very notable students. And so interestingly, mm-hmm. one of them, my younger, is kind of the style I studied most, you know, kind of would say the first 15 years or so of my yoga. And then later, mm-hmm. um, I discovered the system of the Tabi Joyce, and that's what I studied till today. They both, both of those gentlemen actually have the same teachers. So the systems are very, mm-hmm. very similar. It's more about the approach and the organization of how you study and practice. And that maybe differs, but the postures and the overall focused, um, it's the same presentation is different. Mm-hmm. So you can track now, that for yoga example, that... Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, what was it about yoga that you connected with from uh, a young age? Question. <laughs> so I would say mm-hmm. number of things. Um, the mm-hmm. meditative aspect would be number one. I okay. had not really done anything like that before. Um, any type of mm-hmm. meditation, uh, yeah. And a really focused uh, still movement. The martial arts is very dynamic. Uh, the movement's fast and mm-hmm. quick and, you know, very athletic. Uh, and yoga is almost like an opposite of that. You know, very still, holding poses for a long time. Um, and, uh, you know, the mind being calm and still. Um, that was uh, that was different. And, and I liked it. Yeah. So I think for me, for it was been very much uh, almost like a yin and yang. Yeah, it gave me a balance with the martial arts. Right, yeah. Wow, absolutely. So um, how did your parents feel about you uh, pursuing yoga and karate like that? Well, the karate thing grew on them. Uh, weren't, again, mm-hmm. big fans at the beginning. But eventually, mm-hmm. you know, I started going to tournaments, and when you start bringing home trophies all the time, um, all of a sudden <laughs> it's hard to not feel like, wow, my kid's good at something, and they must be pretty good at it. <laughs> And so you get a little bit of that parental pride changes everything. So then pretty uh-huh. soon they're like, oh, well, you know, we'll sign your sister up for karate. And, 
and uh, we'll go watch mm-hmm. some tournaments, and I got a, a lot a lot of support. So tournaments in the teenage years did wonders for uh, changing changing their perspective about martial arts. Yeah. So I'm guessing that yoga and karate also have, like, a great deal to uh, not just the tournaments, but, like, the meditative aspects and the exercise really did wonders for your self-esteem, too, when you were growing up. Is that an accurate assessment? Um, I would say so, definitely. The You know, uh-huh. growing up, uh, I think all kids have their challenges. You all kind of have to find your group and things. And for me, um, I, I, you know, I'm sure my challenges were no greater than anyone else's. Uh, and they are uh-huh. what they are. I, I had parents that were not from this country. My dad grew up in England, uh-huh. um, and uh-huh. my mom grew up in Brazil. So they're, they're both immigrants to this country. And so culturally, mm-hmm. you know, they were very different than uh, my friends' parents. They, they, they didn't follow American sports. Um, they didn't know anything mm-hmm. about American sports. Um, we played soccer. Huh. <laughs> no big surprise. Yeah. England and Brazil, um, um, all the kids played soccer. Right, of course. But, yeah, they, they were course. very unaware of a lot of things culturally here um, that I think, mm-hmm. you know, made, made me and my siblings stand out in different ways. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, you know, martial arts was great for that. It was I loved being at my dojo. You know, it was a place where I always felt, um, you know, part of a family and uh, respected. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a, it was a safe place and it was a fun place and it was a motivating and encouraging. So, excellent. Oh, that's uh, awesome. Team. That's like an ideal situation. <laughs> yeah, it was perfect. And, and you know, the strong moves of the martial arts are so great for building confidence in kids. You know, the relationship mm-hmm. between the, the position of your body and the state of your mind is incredibly powerful. And if you've got a kid mm-hmm. that's, you know, struggling with uh, being shy or they're, they're nervous or not confident in themselves, or they have low self-esteem, and you put them in these mm-hmm. strong stances and you teach them these strong movements with their body, it, it transforms mm-hmm. them. They, they, they really start to feel inside. They start to believe themselves. They start to feel stronger as a person. So it's now, very powerful. Were you one of those shy kids? Uh, I was super shy. So my instructor really? used to, Nick Chamberlain, he, he used to tease me in the teenage years about how, mm-hmm. you know, my first year of training, I never spoke a word. And it was true. And I, I tried a few times. Uh, I know you, you would never believe it, right? I tried, <laughs> no, but I could not. not get a word out. I was just like, I was super shy. And I was like, you know, I, I was a mix of like scared of him and also just like mm-hmm. worshipped him. So, so it was, right. uh, oh, yeah. uh, I, would, I would just nod my head. I nodded my head up and down or side to side. And I was able to answer mm-hmm. pretty much every question that way because if I didn't speak, he'd phrase it in a way that I could say yes or no. Wow. It so, worked. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. But so, yeah, um, in, in my teenage years, when I'd be teaching the, the kids' classes and the parents would be talking about it and everything, he'd say, you know, Matthew over there, he, he, couldn't, he was so shy, he couldn't even speak the first year of training. And they'd all be like, no. Right. It was the truth. It was the truth. Now, this sounds like a very advantageous practice in dojo, so I just have to ask, like, um, what kind of difficulties did you face um, as, as an adolescent going through yoga and karate? Definitely different. Um, you know, those sports, uh, well, first of all, yoga not a sport at all, but martial arts as a sport was, you know, still very new in this country. So mm-hmm. it, it, it didn't have the kind of coolness factor, wow factor, you know, football and hockey and baseball, basketball, the, the hockey, you know, I said hockey, there we go. The classic, uh, you know, U.S. sports. 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, I didn't, right. even though I was winning all these tournaments, I wasn't like the cool kid at school. You know, I was a kid that did some weird karate thing. Um, mm-hmm. And I think in my entire high school, I think I knew of like two other kids that did karate. It was, it, and this is, you know, my graduating class had about, you know, 400 kids in it. So, um, oh, you know, wow. 1,600 kids in the school maybe. So really it was yeah. still uh, not super common yet. Uh, yoga, mm-hmm. I actually never even talked about. I never told anyone I did yoga. I didn't think anyone would even oh, know no. what it was. No, not, really? not all the way through high school. No, I think the past college was, was maybe the first time I, I mentioned yoga through all the conversations with other people and felt like they might know what I was talking about. But, uh-huh. but no, somehow in high school, I didn't, I didn't think anyone would even know what yoga was. Interesting. Now, where did you grow up? So I grew up in Chelmsford, Massachusetts, okay. um, not too far from yep. the New Hampshire border. Okay. And, uh, but my parents, again, being from other countries, I'd, I'd get to go mm-hmm. to uh, England or Brazil in the summer sometimes, which was really, really nice. We didn't have any family oh, in the wow. country. No, no aunts, no uncles, no cousins, mm-hmm. nothing, no grandparents, not, uh, not a single relative. So if we wanted to see family, we had to, you know, to travel. But those were, you know, you can't complain. If and when you were... travel on a plane and go to England or go to Brazil, pretty awesome. Oh, absolutely, totally. So when you yeah, went, and to we were, places, you know, we were not a super well-to-do family, so it was, you know, my parents mm-hmm. would save all year, so we could do those kind of right. vacations. We we had a lot of things we went without, um, so that we mm-hmm. could, you know, we could see family in the summer. Now, when you went to those places, did you practice karate or yoga at all? No, not so much. A little bit in Brazil. Um, as I got older, okay. and my cousins were aware that I was doing it. A little bit of capoeira um, in Brazil, but uh, nothing in England. And what is capoeira? That's a Brazilian uh, martial arts system. It uh, actually mm-hmm. traces history back to uh, African slaves brought brought over by the Portuguese. And it's a uh, it's oh, okay. it's a pretty cool martial arts system. It's kind of you do it to music, and so it's kind of a mix of dance and martial arts. Really fun. Oh wow! Yeah, that's quite the interesting combo. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's fantastic. Kind of, it kind of. Kind of like this kind of yoga I did a few months ago called Buti Yoga, B-U-T-I Yoga, mm-hmm. which is kind of like dance influence. It was kind of Zumba-like, too, in a way, you know? Ooh, that does sound fun. So, yeah, that, yeah, I got to do that in um, Western Mass in uh, May of last year, and they had, like, black lights, and, it was gl- and we had, like, glowing paint and stickers and stuff. It was this really fun uh-huh. event. So, yeah, I'm when I go to classes uh, like that I get to be like a mascot I can't dance to save my life so I do Zumba and I have a lot of friends in Zumba and my story was okay this is my quick story a quick aside Uh, my friends approached me at a party and said we like what you do in yoga you need to join Zumba and I said why because I'm fit because I'm buff and I was being completely sarcastic and they said no you're obnoxious (laughs) so I brought that skill of being obnoxious to uh, Zumba, and now I go, woo, to get everybody pumped up. And when I'm quiet, they all give me looks like, is he okay? What's wrong with him? <laughs> but, you know, so, but I definitely recommend, you should definitely try um, booty yoga. So it's really worthwhile. But anyway. Uh, well, I will like give it a try. Fun. It sounds fun. Nice. Very cool. All right. So um, what do you feel um, – was your other than the tournaments? Um, what do you feel as a when you were a kid? Was your biggest accomplishment um, from doing either karate or yoga, or you can answer for both? Ooh, that's a 
That's a, quite the question there. Okay, let's see. Well, we'll start with karate. Um, okay. Wow. So my biggest accomplishment, I definitely would not say the tournaments, um, although those, mm-hmm. those were fun. Um, I definitely think, you know, it was, uh, it's the confidence it gave me in myself to, mm-hmm. to do things, to do anything. Um, yeah. You know, the, the training I did there in karate made me feel like I could accomplish anything. It didn't matter what it was. Mm-hmm. And uh, if I set my mind to it, I felt that I could achieve it. I felt it gave me kind of the organizational skills, um, the self-discipline, mm-hmm. the focus, and the belief in myself um, that those things have all continued to help me to this day. So wow. karate is very, very, very big. <laughs> big influence. Oh, absolutely. Um, and you started yoga, business at 18? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I'll do the yoga real quick. Yeah, we, so. we can talk about that. The, the yoga, I would say, mm-hmm. you know, kept, it kept me grounded. So, um, mm-hmm. it, it, again, it, kind of the balancing force there, um, it kept me grounded, kept me, uh, helped me with stress and, um, mm-hmm. you know, high school was a tough time and, you know, like, a um, like, like many kids experience, I, I had parents that ended up divorcing, um, and that happened during mm-hmm. my high school yeah. years. And then, you know, right. you got college applications, you got all the, so many stresses that get piled upon mm-hmm. high schoolers. And, uh, and I oh, had that, I, I was so fortunate to have learned how to meditate and to breathe, um, and, uh, you know, to, to sit and be still. And, and I had these tools to deal with that stress, mm-hmm. um, in a really, really healthy way. And, um, you know, everybody that feels about that, they find some way. And, uh, and unfortunately for a lot of teenagers and college students, you know, that drinking too much, you know, experimenting with mm-hmm. drugs, things like that. There's yeah. a lot of there's yeah. a lot of negative ways you can go with that, um, and mm-hmm. uh, I feel very fortunate that you know I had discovered yoga when I did. It was time so perfect, mm-hmm. right before a lot of things in my life became you know really challenging, and uh, I was able to turn oh, yeah. you know turn to that as a way to to deal with you know tough days. Mm-hmm. You did the cliche of uh, like the Robert Frost thing, you know, you took the road less traveled. Yeah. To the yoga mat. Yeah, you know? definitely. <laughs> So yep. that, that's very inspirational. Um, and I think that is absolutely amazing. And so, and I mean, you tell me about how you started this business at 18. Yeah. That's, tell me how uh, you pulled it. Was not the plan. <laughs> it was definitely okay. not the plan. Um, mm-hmm. so, every, so many things in my life seemed to start a little before, before, they should have. I blame that on my parents. They got me to school earlier than I should have. I don't know how they pulled it off, but I was a youngest <laughs> kid in my, my class all through school, you know, graduated over oh, a year, really? you know, younger than, than uh, anyone else. There were kids in the next grade oh, wow. that were older than me. So, mm-hmm. so at any rate, um, I blame them. But, uh, well, you know, <laughs> that instructor that I had that was, you know, my mentor, uh, he moved to Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a... Yep. Uh, complete chiropractic school and uh and he mm-hmm. ended up staying in texas and opening a, a new martial arts studio there and mentioned a little bit about that how successful he is incredible he's really successful there so mm-hmm. what happened to me what happened to all of us you know i wasn't the only one that um loved his studio well he turned it over to an awesome instructor um yeah and uh and and that studio continues to run today but it, it moved a couple towns over and so a bunch of us just you know we couldn't make it out to there and uh, I had been, you know, one of the main helpers there with the kids' class. And what would happen is I'd mm-hmm. go around town, and I'd run into parents, these kids, 
everybody at the studio and they say, Oh, they miss it so much. And like, you, you should, you should start a little program. Like you could teach one guy. I kept telling me, you could teach in my backyard. He said, half the kids in the studio are in my neighborhood. Wow. Teach in my <laughs> in backyard. backyard. Really? And <laughs> yeah. So he, he, you know, he was pretty, uh, he was pretty determined. And, you know, I thought about yeah, it a little bit. Awesome. And there, there were already a few of us that were getting together to work out just to kind of keep our skills sharp. And I thought, you know, we could just mm-hmm. formalize this a little bit. You know, I could teach, you know, the younger students and the lower rank ones mm-hmm. and, and the, the, the students my age can kind of just train with me or the ones that are low ranking. I can teach them the rest of what mm-hmm. I know. And uh, yeah. it wasn't it wasn't like a an organized plan to open a school, <laughs> but but right. I did it. You know, I was 18, and I, mm-hmm. I was able to rent out from the town of Westford. I rented out their middle school um, two nights a week, mm-hmm. and uh, I yep. got a group of students together and really, really well. And, and pretty soon, new people started coming in, and I found a different place to rent, a church in Westford that had a really uh, good facility and a uh, good price. Mm-hmm. And I ended up expanding to three days a week. And, you know, meanwhile, I'm, I'm going to school at UMass Lowell, and I'm also working uh, mm-hmm. working full-time um, at CBS mm-hmm. Pharmacy. You know, I'm got, I've got to be able to pay for my books and my tuition and everything. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then I'm teaching the martial arts three days a week. And then it just, it just grew. It just kept growing. I kept getting more students. I ended up uh, finding another place to teach in Acton, where I am now. And I mm-hmm. did a job teaching martial arts there a couple days a week. Mm-hmm. And that eventually grew to three yep. days a week. So I'm teaching six days a week. And uh, and then just a bunch of things happened. The the place I was teaching in Acton uh, went out of business, um, mm-hmm. and I had about 100 students there. And uh, I had about 30 students in my Westford program. Um, but the, mm-hmm. the church that I was renting from, which was you know a great facility, they were changing mm-hmm. some things with how they were renting and who they were renting to. And I wasn't going to be able to get the space anymore. It was going to be filled with preschool equipment and uh, you know, tables and stations and things, and it wasn't going to be able to be used anymore. Um, for the martial mm-hmm. arts class. So all of a sudden, you know, I've got over 100 students, two different programs, two different towns, and I'm going to have mm-hmm. no one to teach them. And at this point, I have actually dropped the CBS job because I had been doing so well teaching martial arts, I didn't need it, which was awesome because I could yep. end up teaching, um, you know, let's see, six days a week, about three, four hours a day. So, well, so it was so a lot of hours, maybe 20, 24 hours a week, um, and I was able to make more money than doing 35, 40 hours a week at CBS. So it was a tricky situation to be in, in school, yeah. what am I going to do? And uh, mm-hmm. I made this decision. I'm going to, I'm going to try to open a studio, you know, I'm 19, mm-hmm. um, but I'm, I'm going to see what I can do. And mm-hmm. first thing I did, went to Barnes and Noble and picked up a bunch of books, you know, how to run a small business, how to open a small business. Um, mm-hmm. I love to read and uh, I figured I'm going to learn, I'm going to learn what to do before I do it. And uh, one of those books mentioned a bunch of different resources to look at, uh, was one, mm-hmm. one of which was just fantastic. I can't remember the acronym mm-hmm. anymore, but there was this organization that's like a retired core of business ex- executives, something to that effect. Mm-hmm. And they had an office yep. in Lowell, Massachusetts. And what you got mm-hmm. is people that were super successful in their lives. They're retired, and they offer free counseling to people that are starting or you know starting a business or want to start a business. So I called them up. Set up an appointment, went in there. They were awesome. You know, I, 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 they were just wonderful. I could ask them anything. They helped me to put together a business plan, a very professional business plan. Um, mm-hmm. Talked to me through uh, you know, a lot of the questions that I had. And with their help and with the books I read um, and with uh, you know, some advice from different martial arts instructors I had over the years, um, mm-hmm. I decided to go for it. I, I wrote my business plan. And I started uh, mm-hmm. calling, uh, driving around, looking for locations, and calling up landlords. Mm-hmm. 
It was yeah. not easy to get taken seriously, but I, I came very prepared. Right. I had multiple copies always of my business plan, one, one for the broker, mm-hmm. one to give to the landlord. They can review and see. I know what I'm doing. I've got an existing clientele. Oh. I've done all my demographics research. and and uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, I kept getting the question, you know, all the time about things like, so um, is there another investor? Are your parents helping you with this? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> always like, right, yeah. Where's the money coming from? Is it just you? Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I, I uh, and then eventually the building that I'm in right now, they just said no over mm-hmm. and over and over. I was sure this was the right building for me, but it was too much space. I couldn't actually afford the space I wanted. So I needed to convince mm-hmm. them to let me use half the space. And uh, the landlord just wouldn't go for it. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I offered everything. I told him, you know, I'll build the wall myself. I'll build the wall dividing the units and pay for it myself mm-hmm. if you'll rent me just one side. I tried anything to convince them. And uh, what gave the broker that handled the building Mm-hmm. Say again. What gave you the the strength and the the courage to just keep going for it, even though you were told no so many times about that space? Yeah, well, that's the beauty, right? That's the beauty of the martial arts is you you learn to be mm-hmm. that person that doesn't doesn't quit and doesn't give up, and uh, mm-hmm. and I, that perseverance paid off. This one broker showed mm-hmm. me so many different buildings. We got to know each other a little bit, you know, and I think mm-hmm. he started to believe in me a little bit. And I, I eventually, mm-hmm. I pressed it and pressed it. I said, just get me in front of that landlord. Just let me speak to him. Let me pitch mm-hmm. my plan. And, you know, yep. he, he did it. He did it for me. He called me up one day. He said, I've got the landlord at my office. He's going to be here for about a half an hour. If you can get over here, you can make your pitch. And that's what I did. Nice. And here I am today. Yep. All I had to do was talk no, to that landlord cool. myself. And I, I talked mm-hmm. him into it. Wow. That, still in the same building, expanded three times, but I'm still in the building I knew was mm-hmm. the building for me. 23 years mm-hmm. later, still in that building. 23 <laughs> years later. 23 years later, that, we're still here. I mean, perseverance is everything, right? Perseverance, passion, and persistence, and realizing that you can do it. That's so important because mm-hmm. if you want something, you really got to go for it, right? You got it. Yep. Yep. Um, Too many people don't, don't do it and they, they have regret, you know? And so that's the, that's the mm -hmm. other choice. You know, if you've got something you're passionate about, you you can pursue it or are you going to deal with regret? So those Mm -hmm. are the choices we all, we all face. Absolutely. And and from my own experience, I, I think you'd agree with me on this, that um, I think I learn more from failure than I do from regret, you know? Because if you fail, I'd rather, (laughs) yeah, I'd rather fail a hundred times than than to be struggling with regret my whole life. Mm Mm-hmm. Because there's so many, like, what ifs out there. I mean, I remember when I made my film, my first film, I had a person write into the school newspaper saying, what does Scott Kingsley hope to accomplish? It's just an independent film. But two years later, I had a completed movie. And granted, it didn't become a darling at Sundance. It didn't become a ticket to Hollywood or anything like that. But I still had a completed film. And yep. I'm like, I'm not Steven Spielberg. I'm not like a, a film genius or anything like that. But if I can do it, then anybody can do it, right? You just got to have like the confidence to keep going for it. And I think that that is absolutely wonderful that martial arts gave that to you, you know? And Yep. So now I want to ask, how did, in all of this, 
where did your love from Ashtanga come stem from? And how did you discover it? Definitely. Well, I will definitely explain that one, but I'm going to comment real quick on the martial arts because okay, go for, it. for those that are listening that, that, uh, you know, just a little bit of a side thing, but in this country today, the way martial arts mm-hmm. is taught in most schools, that's not how I learned. I spent 10 okay. years, um, you know, working mm-hmm. towards a black belt and I trained mm-hmm. insanely hard and I practiced at home all mm-hmm. the time. That's how it used to be. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of martial arts mm-hmm. training that is going to give a person the tools to succeed at anything. Sadly, mm-hmm. in this country now, one of the things I, I hate seeing and see it everywhere is martial arts schools. They just mm-hmm. give away the belts. Kids come in mm-hmm. and these get, they get these belts. They don't have to do anything for them. That, mm-hmm. Those kids aren't learning mm-hmm. a work ethic. And when they get mm-hmm. those belts, those belts don't mean anything. For it to mean something, mm-hmm. it's got to be a challenge. And you've got to develop true skills, real skills that, that take work. And that's mm-hmm. the kind of program I was in. That's like the credit I have to give to my teacher. We worked hard. Okay. And, you know, we, we knew we were developing skills because when we went to tournaments, we could see we could do things other kids couldn't do. And, and you know, some of the things we worked on took so long to master, different jumps, spinning, kicks, and things like that. It, it, was, it was a truly challenging program. And so that work that you put in there, you then have a reward for it when you master that skill. And that's what mm-hmm. transforms you, realizing that, wow, all this work I put in sometimes for years in different movements mm-hmm. has led to me being able to do this amazing movement. And you never forget that. Right. And you remember, you know, that's how life can be. If I'm willing to put the work in, yeah. if there's no challenge, those if there's movements. no great skills to be mastered, kids in other programs, they're not getting those benefits. It's just glorified babysitting. So and those that, movements that's, that's aren't necessarily big movements either. They're like small yeah. ones, small steps along the way. Yeah, you don't realize, you know, the stance that I have keep standing in that, you know, perfectly in this exact way, what is this doing for me? And so eventually you build this life mm-hmm. strength from it that allows you to do this other amazing thing. And, ah, okay. Mm-hmm. You know. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's pretty awesome. So Ashtanga. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. You're going to have to repeat yeah. the question now since I went off on a tangent. Okay. No problem at all. Okay. Um, so <laughs> but you put you on all of this in your life. It's all good. That's what I'm here for. Um, during all this, um, how did Ashtanga enter into your life, and how did you first hear about it? Okay, super. So, um, so yoga. I um, I ended up uh, getting a hernia, an abdominal hernia, and mm-hmm. it. I didn't get it dealt with right away. I was not excited about surgery, and so it got worse and worse. Mm-hmm. And so I dragged out for years. And I lost a lot mm-hmm. of core strength and because uh, I just I had to keep baby and you know, adjusting my training. I lost a lot of flexibility. Mm-hmm. And I eventually decided that I, I had it. I went and I got it repaired. After I was healed up, it was time to, to start training again. And mm-hmm. it was at that point that I just I, – I had lost a lot of strength and, uh, and flexibility. And I just – I needed something more than just my martial arts training um, to supplement and get me back to where I wanted to be. And the yoga that I was doing at that point um, was, was still, you know, very meditative and more relaxation and more gentle stretching. It wasn't a very intense program. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. And so, but I was aware, I knew, I had seen from different, you know, yoga events I'd gone to, um, retreats and things. I had seen people practicing this other form of yoga. I had written it, had written it mm-hmm. down multiple times. I had seen it. And <laughs> that I was just yep. amazed by 
and uh, this Ashtanga mm-hmm. yoga, these people could do these amazing feats of strength, balancing on their arms as they transition through all these different intricate movements, and um, and it was so mm-hmm. dynamic. There was jumping and and uh, all kinds of just really really neat uh, movement and flow to it. But then they would still hit these moments of stillness where you'd, you'd hold a pose for a long time. Really intrigued me. Mm-hmm. Could never find a teacher for it anywhere. I had it written down. Couldn't find any teachers. Occasionally found a book. Um, so that after that surgery, I decided this is it. I am going to find an Ashtanga teacher. I'm going to search, and mm-hmm. I'm not going to give up until I find one. And uh, and I did find out that if I was willing to drive into Boston, um, there were a number of yep. Ashtanga teachers. And uh, and then much uh, to my joy, I found there was also one in Worcester, which wasn't too far from me. And um, so I began traveling to Boston and traveling to Worcester. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Worcester mm-hmm. is much more convenient. So. Uh, but I went both. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was pretty gung ho, so I began training mm-hmm. uh, just every every week, attending one or two Ashtanga classes. Sometimes one in Boston and one in Worcester um, when I could, mm-hmm. and uh, and then going to different events, trainings, weekend trainings, where I got three days of Ashtanga training. And um, so I went at it full steam. And uh, mm-hmm. there were a couple of things that really appealed to me about it. Um, I still mm-hmm. had all the benefits that I had previously gotten from yoga. I found in Ashtanga. Uh, the meditative, mm-hmm. the stillness, uh, the calm mind. Um, I loved it. All the, the, the cool different poses that have wonderful health effects on the body. All that was there. But Ashtanga just kind of took it up a notch. There was, there was more challenge. Um, it's a much more mm-hmm. rigorous program. So you're able to get much more uh, physical results uh, from it, more strength and more yeah. flexibility in other programs, much, much, much more in body control. And so it, it really appealed. Yeah. I, I actually love the dynamic aspects of it. Um, Mm-hmm. It was really that was a huge cost for me. It was almost it was a, a little more similar to martial arts in that you had you had movement, you had more movement um, than what I was used mm-hmm. to in yoga, where you kind of you had poses, but you didn't really have any interesting movement in between. There's nothing to connect them so much. Rashtanga mm-hmm. has a, a vinyasa entry, a vinyasa exit um, mm-hmm. to every pose, and I, I really like that. Everything's connected and linked, and it's also an organized system. Um, though I found a number of good teachers over the years and other systems. Ashtanga really intrigued me in that you, you have a set pattern of poses that you do, and each mm-hmm. day of the week is a different set. If you get more advanced, there's six different series. And uh, okay. you know some of these series have as many as like 75 poses. And, um, you can try something like a hot yoga, which, yeah, you know, hot yoga's got like 26 poses. They're, they're decent, but it's a very small number, mm-hmm. um, and that's all you ever do. You know, the mm-hmm. Ashtanga um, was much more appealing to me. I... I, I Never satisfied with learning something new. So I was talking with so many poses to master and all the intricate mm-hmm. entries and exits in each pose. Um, I really loved that. Mm-hmm. I, I loved having a system with so much information and so comprehensive and, uh, you know, endless, endless study. And I've heard that Ashtanga is very similar to gymnastics. Is that accurate? Yeah, you've got, you've got a, a lot of components there that if you, you're watching a gymnast trainer or an Ashtangi train, you, you might not know, mm-hmm. you know who's doing yoga, who's doing gymnastics. Um, a oh, lot really? Of overlap. Uh, wow. So that's kind of it's ironic my son that does, uh, you started out, you wanted to do gymnastics, and now you're teaching uh-huh. Ashtanga. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah no, no surprise there. It's very interesting. Um, and a lot of former mm-hmm. gymnasts and uh, find, find a happy home in Ashtanga practicing and or mm-hmm. teaching it. So not surprising. Yeah, that's something about that movement, the, um, the body control, uh, the balancing on your hands, the different types of inversions, 
Um, mm-hmm. That that always interested me, and uh, sure enough, I eventually did find it. So uh, okay. I definitely would have loved gym, gymnastics, but I, I found uh, a different outlet for uh, his strength and grace and fluidity. Um, I can find that in Ashtanga, which works great. I have not found an adult uh, gymnastics program. I've looked a couple times just to see if there's anything like that out there. Just to see, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think so. I guess there must not be a big market for adults deciding to try gymnastics. No, not really. I don't think so. But <laughs> if there are any listeners out there that know of any, please email me and let me know so I can tell that. <laughs> let us know. <laughs> yeah, that would be a worth, worth doing a story on. Totally, totally. Um, now, it's interesting because you talked about earlier how you had a balance between karate karate, and yoga. And now sometimes at your school you teach karate and then you teach yoga right afterwards? Yeah. Yeah. So you still, um, like, on a typical that, day. Like balance? Like, <laughs> yeah. What's it's, that it's like? Right Do you have to my like, switch now. your mindset? No, no. Um, not, not too much. There's a... Uh, they're, they are so complementary. Um, in mm-hmm. fact, you know, the, the, uh, the earliest form of, like, organized martial arts uh, in, in China, the Shaolin Temple, um, it was mm-hmm. Indian monks that, that, uh, that established that temple. And, um, and, and they were experts in yoga as part of their training, um, mm-hmm. you know, from the type of families they came from. They were all trained in yoga. So the, the original kind of Shaolin fighting monks that so many martial arts uh, systems trace their history to, you know, start off mm-hmm. as yogis. It was, it was a yoga system um, that uh, was turned into a fighting art. So oh, wow. um, knowing, that, <laughs> knowing that history and looking at my, my interesting combination of, of studies, um, I bring, I bring mm-hmm. that a lot into both programs. I, uh, so we incorporate a lot of yoga. Um, our, all of our stretching is mm-hmm. yoga-based in our martial arts classes. Yep. And, uh, and mm-hmm. breathing techniques um, all come from yoga. Nice. And how many students do you have now? You know, I don't, I don't keep close count on those numbers. I guess mm-hmm. maybe someday I'll have to look at that again. <laughs> but uh, but we, yeah. we definitely we must have over probably about, a, I'm going to guess 150 students training right now. We're somewhere in that ballpark. Wow. Um, Between yeah, both? So it's, it's, we're, we, we keep pretty busy. Mm-hmm. And you have we other instructors there as well. It's not just you doing all this, right? Yeah, yeah I've got a great crew of assistants. Uh, we start our day mm-hmm. off teaching the kids' classes, and then, uh, mm-hmm. and then as the evening progresses, we, we transition into our teen and adult classes. And uh, the last mm-hmm. class of the night, each night, is always from um, our aerial or uh, acrobatic arts. So mm-hmm. we finish the night off with that. Uh, and on yeah. some of the days, like on Wednesdays, we actually start with yoga for kids, and then we have martial mm-hmm. arts for kids after that. Martial arts for teen adults, oh, wow. and then, and then so acro start- yoga. <laughs> acro yoga for teen adults. Mm-hmm. So yes, it's a good mix. Every day, every day, there's going to be some yoga here. There's going to be some karate here. So tell tell me a little bit about acro yoga and aerial yoga. Yeah, that, that those were unexpected for me. Um, so mm-hmm. when I when I made my big kick in Ashtanga to get myself back to the shape I wanted to be in, um, which mm-hmm. which succeeded, I, I'm very very happy with the results I got from that. Um, mm-hmm. I, I ultimately became so passionate about Ashtanga. I, I just I knew I wanted to teach that too. So I, I pursued mm-hmm. uh, teacher training. I got certified as a teacher about four years ago. I uh, got my initial mm-hmm. certification in the 200. This country did the 200 hour first, and later you get the 500. Um, so yep. I'm, a, I'm an ERYT 500. And mm-hmm. uh, so t- 
teaching, um, I think where I want to go with that. So teaching the Ashtanga, um, in the teacher training, I became exposed mm-hmm. to a couple different things. So um, as I researched more and with the explosion of social media, I found that a mm-hmm. lot of people that do Ashtanga were also doing this other thing called acro yoga. And, uh, mm-hmm. and as I researched more into the top acro yoga people, they seem to all have an Ashtanga background. So I'm like, hmm, these are very complimentary. Um, and the acro yoga, you know, it, it takes, it's partner acrobatics, partner and group acrobatics. And it's kind of a blend of yoga, um, acrobatics, and Thai massage, actually, kind of the three components that it came from. And um, mm-hmm. Thai massage being a very, um, a, a very yoga-based uh, form of massage that's really interesting. So huh. I got interested in that, too. I thought it looked kind of cool, and I thought, well, I'll try a workshop. And uh, I got hooked, immediately hooked on it. It, it again, had kind of a gymnastic-type element, acrobatic element. Um, mm-hmm. And I was hooked. I was hooked in I began studying that just a few months after um, I began my studies into my teacher training, so about five, little five years ago. And I have so spent what is countless hours of pursuing that. Well, it is um, if you have two people, for example, you have a base and a flyer. Base mm-hmm. um, is in some position in which they have the flyer suspended up in mm-hmm. the air above them. So you could be, for example, L basing, where you're on your back and you're holding the flyer up on your legs or a combination of your legs and mm-hmm. hands. You could also be standing and holding the flyer up with your hands up above your head. Yep. Um, and you have oh, different wow. poses, like in yoga, that you mm-hmm. can do, and you can hold mm-hmm. those poses for the health benefit. You can mm-hmm. uh, have nice transitions as the poses flow from one to another. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks beautiful as a performance art. It's, it's really enjoyable mm-hmm. to watch, um, like a form of dance or something. You can set it to music and and uh, it's it's mesmerizing when you see two people that are, are really skilled at it. It's uh, it's an mm-hmm. incredible art form, and yep. it's it's actually you know relatively new, somewhat repackaged. Essentially, acro yoga is just partner and group acrobatics, and, and that's been practiced for hundreds of years. But it uh, mm-hmm. it's never really been something that like the general population did. Um, it's something that you know performers would do for shows like Cirque du Soleil mm-hmm. and things like that. But uh, right. the, the kind of repackaging of it and marketing it as acro yoga um, mm-hmm. resulted in, in just an explosion of interest in it. Now you have just a huge number of people that are involved in yoga and even those that are not involved in yoga that now do this, this acro yoga. And you can find mm-hmm. classes for it in probably every major city and big you know, festivals and yeah. events and workshops. And it's huge. It's absolutely huge. Yeah, you see it everywhere. I mean, I go yeah. to Boston. Yeah, I mean, I hear it's, about it's it. It's a yoga journal. It's mm-hmm. yeah. You, you can't. You know, you follow any any yogi on social media, you're going to see them doing acro at some point. Uh, it's, uh-huh. Everybody's doing it. And, it's uh, it's pretty cool. Now, is aerial yoga the one where the uh, yogi does the um, uses the silks like hanging yep. from the ceiling? You got and it. You got the aerial yoga. yoga in a certain position. Yeah. Uh huh. That's the silk hammocks, and that is okay, really really nice. I, okay. I actually, yeah, I, I teach that for kids and adults, um, and we actually mm-hmm. for for the the teen and adult program, we kind of take it even to a more advanced aerial arts program. But we kind of start everybody with um, with aerial yoga, working on the hammocks, very safe, um, not too mm-hmm. high off the ground. You know, and we kind of build build our skills there, and some students are happy mm-hmm. there. We really enjoy the yoga benefits. 
Others mm-hmm. will want to take it further. They'll want to go into long silks, which go up higher and are um, it's not in a hammock. It's in two long strands that hang down from the ceiling. And so it requires a lot more strength to climb and to wrap them in different ways. And uh, we have lira, which is an aerial hoop, kind of like a metal hula hoop that hangs mm-hmm. from the ceiling. And um, mm-hmm. it takes a lot of strength to work with that apparatus. So you kind of want to build that strength on the hammocks and then move up to the lyrics for some students. So that, that became another whole thing that I didn't see that journey um, when I signed up for yoga teacher training. I could not have envisioned mm-hmm. that a few years later I would have also cross-trained and studied um, aerial arts of a variety of different types, and acrobatics, mm-hmm. and uh, that when I introduced yoga to my studio, I'd end up with all these different programs, an Ashtanga program, which is our core yoga program. But it's been, right. uh, it's been pretty amazing having all these other elements in here. It sounds like you have something for everybody at your school. I no. like to think so. Um, I, feel, do, I feel like we've got a pretty good, well-rounded group of things here. Do you feel that your students um, have to be athletically inclined um, to enjoy yoga, to do yoga well, or do you think no. anybody can do it? Anybody can do it. And uh, as a mm-hmm. teacher, sometimes it's, it's almost the most exciting when they're not, not so athletically inclined and you, you see the more dramatic results. Society, no matter what mm-hmm. level, you can have an exceptional athlete come in here and, and just, you know, be such a pleasure to teach and see them enjoying all these crazy things that they're able to eventually do. Um, but it's also super exciting when you, you have, you know, the student come in that, that really struggles. Um, there may be a really, you know, low muscle tone, maybe very uh, mm-hmm. lacking in coordination, and, and you see our program transform them. You know, I, I had, mm-hmm. I, we had a kid here, I remember years ago, my favorite memories, that uh, mm-hmm. just could not throw a ball. His, his dad had tried all these different times. And one day the dad mm-hmm. was in the lobby and he, he overheard me talking about uh, doing a little lesson on muscle movement and different ways of moving the muscles and, you know, how in the way I teach in, in this modern system that I teach that, you know, we use the most efficient, effective, and logical way to use our muscle systems. And I said, you know, I, I could teach you guys how to do just about anything um, because it's, it's mm-hmm. just teaching the correct movement, understanding the right muscles. And, uh, you know, so after class, the dad said, so you can teach him anything, huh? <laughs> and I said, well, <laughs> you know, within reason, I suppose. But um, right, you know, yeah. the general idea being that I, I could help any movement. If you're a golfer, if you play tennis, whatever, I could look at what you're doing mm-hmm. and, and I could analyze that and say, you know what, you, you adjust that angle a little bit or change the way you set mm-hmm. this up and you'd be more effective. So he said, well, see if you can teach my kid how to throw a ball. <laughs> Challenge taken. <laughs> So, nice, and, and, nice. and, you know, we, we taught him how to throw incredibly well. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. and then, you know, his dad was just overjoyed being able to play catch in the backyard after that. Um, mm-hmm. and we, we, that kid ended up being like having a pitcher's arm. So, yeah, wow. it's, uh, <laughs> as a teacher, I now think sometimes really those right. are the most fun things. <laughs> yeah, it really, Absolutely. really is when you, someone conquers something that they, they struggled with. So, you have accomplished a great deal, my friend, and you've helped hundreds, if not thousands of people to accomplish so much in all the years you've been teaching and as a student. And I just have to ask, like, what um, goals do you have that you have not reached yet? Oh, wow. Oh, so, so many on my plate. Oh, boy, mm-hmm. where to begin? You know, there's, uh, for me, in both yoga and martial arts, I still see myself as a student mm-hmm. um, in martial arts. Yeah. Uh, Skip Hancock, phenomenal, incredible teacher mm-hmm. um, out on the other coast. He'll be here yep. in March um, to teach me again and, and he'll do some workshops for my students. 
Um, and I, I saw him just in September and I saw him in July. So, you know, I'm a fifth degree black belt in the system that I teach, which, you know, is pretty mm-hmm. far up there. They're 10 degrees. Um, I started very young, yep. so it's, it's, uh, I'm, I'm still pretty young to have that, that kind of a belt on me, but, um, but there's still things to learn. You know, everybody, everybody benefits from a teacher. And so mm-hmm. for one is just to keep, keep studying, keep studying, improving my art. Um, in the martial arts, mm-hmm. in the world of yoga and Ashtanga, there's there's always so much, uh, so much to learn and so much to do. So I have, so mm-hmm. have you know a lot of goals there in terms of flexibility and range of motion, and uh, and also uh, the study of Sanskrit, um, mm-hmm. lots of things. So so number one is just continue yep. being a student, keep an open mind, keep learning. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoy that, but I've got I have mm-hmm. some other passions too. I'm I'm extremely passionate yes. about politics. Um, and, mm-hmm. uh, that is something that I'm eventually going to do something with. <laughs> um, okay, cool. there's definitely a goal there that, um, I, mm-hmm. I give back in some way, um, mm-hmm. in that way. So at some point I will, I will That's pursue it. something. Now we just have a couple minutes left. Let me just ask you, like, if you have any parting words that you'd like to say to, uh, your current students, prospective students, or anybody out there that has a passion and is just like, maybe has that itch to like pursue it or they don't feel that they can pursue it yet. Do you have any words you want to say to them? Any wisdom? I would say, you know, you know yourself and don't let anyone tell you otherwise. You know, when, when I made the decision to open the school, I, I, I told my parents and uh, you know, they, they were really, really opposed. They, they tried so hard to talk me out of, of trying to open the school my dad kept me up later than I've ever talked to him, um, just going over and over. He had talked with a friend of his whose son had opened a school and had been a disaster. And he, he, he kept me up super late one night trying to talk me out. It, it, was, it was his last-ditch effort. He, he put everything he could into convincing me. And, uh, you know, by that time, I think he knew. <laughs> he knew that if mm-hmm. I could withstand that, I, I was going to go for it. And I woke up that morning, and there was an envelope on the table uh, with a thousand dollars in it, it's the only money anybody gave me to help open the school. And uh, you know, if you couldn't talk That's me incredible. out of it, the least you could do is give me give me a little bit of support, and th- that helped a yeah. lot. That thousand um, dollars. Mm-hmm. So you know, I bet. That's yeah. something for parents to remember too. That you know, if your kids have something they're interested in, and they never stop talking about it. You know what? Find a way and let them try it because mm-hmm. they do know. You know, they're not going to forget, and they they may go their whole lives regretting or wishing they'd done something. Um, Mm-hmm. So parents, I would say, believe in your kids. Try to help them explore their passions. And, uh, mm-hmm. and for anyone out there who has something that they're interested in that haven't pursued yet, go for it. Go for it. Mm-hmm. You know, doesn't matter what other people think. Yep. It doesn't matter if it's out of the ordinary. It doesn't matter if it's going to be hard. Go for it. You'll, you'll be happier going for it than just thinking about it and wishing about it. Now that is inspirational, and I think that that – is very important. It's all about making it happen. And I just want to thank yeah. you very much for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk to us today. And um, Scott, so, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. I wish you the very best, and um, you have a great day. Great. Thank you so much, Scott. Have a great night. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye. And listeners, I just want to let you know, if you have a dream, a goal, something you want to talk about, something you want to share, something you want to inspire,